Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Um, it is morning somewhere in this world, and it may be late in the evening if you're jet-lagged or still post-perennial. I just ate my M&Ms, so I can't share them with you to get your blood sugars up. I'm uh, Don Thompson. I'm the director of Global Health Outreach, which is the short-term medical missions arm of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. Um, I've uh, talked in the past about uh, short-term teams because everybody knows they're a waste of time, they're a waste of money, they're dangerous, they don't do any good. And I uh, run an organization that sends short-term teams. <laughs> so I'm either an incredible hypocrite or I don't agree with, uh, with that, that assertion. Uh, so I've talked a bit in the past, quite a bit in the past, at different, se at different settings about the, the uh, benefit of short-term teams, how they can be done well, how there can be some kind of a long-term impact about raising standards. And so we're going to run through some of that. And uh, there are a few lectures, there are a few workshops here that, that are addressing that. So I, I look forward to hearing feedback from uh, one of the others. I'm double booked. I'm not going to be able to sit through it, but we'll... Somehow I'll hear about it. But many people in the, in the missions community, not just the medical missions community, many in the missions community have been talking about this for well over 20 years. So um, here's my bottom line up front. So you can go to sleep or leave after you hear this. Um, one of my main points of three is that healthcare missions can, not do, but can play an advanced position on a well-balanced, well-organized team. So healthcare missions can really add a lot. They can play an advanced position and have a very advanced role in a well-balanced, well-organized team. Number two is we can open up territory for the effective penetration of the gospel. So two is we can open up territory for the effective penetration of the gospel. Number three, the ultimate healing is spiritual. It's not physical, it's spiritual. And we can, if done properly, we can facilitate the spiritual message. So healthcare missions can play an advanced role, an advanced position, and a well-balanced, well-organized team. We can open up territory for the effective penetration of the gospel. And the ultimate here, number three, is the ultimate healing is spiritual, and we can facilitate sharing the spiritual message. So if anybody wants to leave, I won't be offended now. That's the bottom, that's the bottom line. So today's discussion is necessary because there are quite a few teams out there who are doing a questionable job. Their short-term impact is questionable. Their long-term impact is questionable. There is actual evidence that they cause problems for the long-term workers. It's important that we always keep these issues in mind as we plan our short-term teams. Not only do we want to do it right on our teams, but we want to raise the bar so that other teams will also raise their performance level. Lots of mistakes have been made in the past. We don't have time to make them all again. So we need to learn from the, mis the mistakes that others have made and get it right. Get it righter and keep striving to get it righter. I know it's bad grammar. My mom's not here to correct me. So please don't rat me out.
but we want to get it better. We always want to be improving. So we want to learn from what other people have done wrong, and we want to learn from what some folks are doing right. There's no question that short-term teams can be a tremendous burden on long-term workers. Some of the participants in short-term teams are they're just looking for an exotic experience. Some are just looking for a chance to do some souvenir shopping, or they have a desire to feel good about themselves, or they want to have bragging rights at the coffee machine when they get back to work. That's, that's just true. That's just a happening out there. We just accept that. So I just accept that as a part of the environment in which I work. It's probably going to become more so in coming years, frankly, because of the way our culture is going. I don't want to filter out people like this. I want to get them into an intensive one-week discipleship, disciple-making setting. And you know why? Because some of them meet Jesus in that one-week setting. So God expects us to move forward and glorify him, even though we don't have a team full of culturally sensitive, bilingual, long-term, committed church planters on our team. Proverbs 14.4, many of you are moms, you've memorized that. Many of us, I mean, when you're doing effective work, there's caca on the walls. Because it's messy. You want to clean, you want to clean um, house, wait till your kids move out. There will be grass underneath the swing set again someday. And then you'll be begging for your kids to come home. So it, th- this can be messy. It's going to be messy. But God expects us to move forward and glorify him in that mess. And some of the mess is that we have people on our teams who you kind of wish would have gone with the competition. So, as part of our planning and preparation, we need to know the areas that are most likely to be problems, and we need to know the areas where we need to apply the most effort. That is, the most preventative, the most preventive effort. We do that while we're preparing to go, and we do that while we're serving on the field. We'll do interventions on the field, certainly. We'll maximize the short-term impact, and we'll maximize the long-term impact if we look at these things we're tuned, we're tuned into these things, and we take action. So this approach will prepare us for emergencies, those contingencies that always seem to, pa- to pop up at the last minute. So we'll be less likely to be caught by surprise and unprepared to make adjustments. I was in a uh, certain country a few years back, and, um, you know, I'm a guy. I'm not a girl. I'm a doc, I'm not a nurse. I know nurses always peg the scale on popularity when Barna or whoever it is does, does popularity surveys, and I'm not one of those. Um, I've got feelings, but I don't really care about yours. If you want to be, have somebody be sensitive, talk to my wife. Um, and she's not here, but I, she needs a standing O when she, you're not my wife, you've got a baby. You're about my daughter's age, thank you very much. But I will hold your baby and burp him, if him or her, if he needs it. He always needs burping. You need to take better care of your wife. Good. I'm glad you admit that. Um, any husbands in here who don't need to take better care of your wives, let me take your picture and send it to her. Um, 
So anyway, I was in, a, I was in this, this uh, country, and I had a team that had some old people and had some young people. And it was passed to me that one of my, one of my young people, who was in her mid-20s, was homesick. And I'm thinking, now, wait a minute. Yeah, I know she may have never been out of the States before, but homesick? I mean, I'm not a camp nurse. I, I know that, pardon me, but I know that girls start to have periods at certain ages, and the camp nurse deals with that. And I actually was a camp nurse in an Iwana camp once because my daughters were there, and I was actually stalking to, to protect them. And I had to deal with this. And I never again. I did it once. I'll never do it again. But, but this, this issue came up of um, this, this, uh, this girl who was passed on that she was homesick. Well, it turned out she wasn't really homesick. She was, she was in, a, in a setting in this country. We stay in, in houses with nationals. We don't live in a hotel. We actually will have two of our team members and then a translator stay in different houses. And it's great because you really get to know the culture. You have a translator there so that you can, you can, uh, you can still communicate. Unfortunately, you get overfed and you never get any sleep because you're up so late talking. But we have one girl who is a little bit more withdrawn and not really get in your face kind of personality. And then we had somebody else who was a little bit more um, expressive and the one the girl who's a little bit more of an introvert would start to talk and then the other girl would then take over and and uh, so the first one was feeling pretty stepped on and so that had to be addressed it was very painful to address because the one who was doing the stepping was somebody who I thought was one of my spiritual giants on the team and then I learned that she was very complex um, but I found that out and took some, took some steps, and um, that was just one of those little contingencies that pop up at the last minute. I had a, one of my prospective team leaders who was on that team. She said, Don, you probably noticed that, that I've been going on a lot of teams lately because I'm looking at how different team leaders do it. I'm planning on going into the, I'm looking at going into the team leader track, and, uh, and I'm seeing that this, is, this really isn't easy, is it? And, and here we're talking about, you know, school nurse kind of stuff, homesick, 25-year-old. And, um, and I said, no, no, it's easier to worry about customs officials and police arresting us and going across past the Russian troops and to the border crossing. And we can't have any, any pharmaceuticals that come from the other country. It can only be what we bought. So we have to resupply every two hours from where we're hiding the pharmaceuticals. And the pastor thought his, his son was demon-possessed and... And, I mean, those are the things. That's just the normal stuff. And then this homesick girl being caused by my spiritual giant. <laughs> so, anyway, those are the kind of complex things that, that you eventually, you, you want to have time to, to manage those things. So you, you prepare as much as possible. If you know a lot of things are always going to happen and you prepare for them, predictable things you can prepare for so you can prepare so you can be ready for the unpredictable things, less likely to get caught by surprise. We're always going to be get caught. We're always going to get caught by surprise by some things, right, Bailey? Maybe we'll talk about a little bit of that. Um, so what you what you do is you um, set your goals and objectives relative to the country where you're serving. You set your goals and objectives relative to your in-country partner, and I'm two slides behind, so I'll get caught up in a minute. You set your goals and objectives relative to your team. So all three of those had to do set, setting your goals and objectives. Um, 
So you set your goals according to the country where you're working, your in-country partners, and then your team. And I usually start by preparing my team. That's what I usually focus. But again, this is opposites day, so we're going to move. We're going to move backward. We're going to talk about um, our working in the country where we're where we're working. We're going to talk about preparing um, through setting goals and objectives relative to our national partners in the country, because that's really going to drive how we're going to prepare, how we're going to optimize, um, optimally prepare our team. So much of it deals with what the team is going to be doing. So we'll go there first. So national partners first. It's critically important. It, it, you know, it's kind of important that you have national partners. That, I'm just assuming that it's pretty much impossible. Maybe it's not. Maybe people do this. Actually, I know people do do this. Um, it's critically important to have national partners and to have a good working relationship with them. You need to be on the same sheet of music with them concerning ultimate ministry goals, ultimate shared ministry goals. They need to have ministry goals, and you need to have ministry goals that sync up. Is providing medical care the primary reason your healthcare team is going? Well, it seems to make sense because you have a healthcare team going. But in actuality, this may be a secondary or tertiary reason your healthcare team is going. You need to understand this. Your national partners need to understand this. And you, your national partner's team needs to understand this. And you will probably, if they don't understand it, if your national partner, the main person you work with, and then their team, don't, they don't seem to be on the same sheet, you're probably not going to be the one that explains it to your, your national partner's team because you're not going to be able to communicate through them um, to their team members. I was uh, in a country recently, which is up on this slide, and the guy we were working with, who is the uh, guy who's being a little bit evocative there. And um, he had a certain way of dealing with things. This was his first time working with us. We've worked with his ministry for many, many years, very solid ministry. Um, but uh, he, he was a little bit, well, I've learned in this country that you're not demure and, and uh, subtle and indirect. You're very direct and loud and, and pushy, and then when all the military people from the military base near where we had set up our clinic were were pushing their way in and pushing their way to the front of the line, then we had a problem, and he had a problem because his agreement with the with the uh, mayor of that community and the guy who ran the government clinic who's letting us work there is that we were there to see the poor people in the community, not there to see the military guys. So, so they they and we had. Hours of back and forth, um, they mostly did, and and how to address that, and uh, and it required. We pulled in one morning when the gates were open and the place was mobbed, and got out. and He said to the uh, to the uh, clinic administrator, "You have to have everybody outside the gate, and we'll let people in, so that we can have some degree of order. Because otherwise, they're at, they were actually pushing into some of the rooms we were working, and and uh, they're not." They, they weren't willing to do that in the community. So we got in, back in the vans. He said, don't get out of the van. He got out and talked to him, and then we got back in the van, and we left. We drove away about a block around the corner and then waited in about three minutes. Then he got a phone call saying, okay, they're, they're all leaving. So we drove back, and we stopped about a half a block away, and they were not all gone yet and just just waited, and then they finally came out. But that was something that they that they worked on. But the main reason we were going was to open up 
ministry opportunities for them in that area. And uh, that called for his work with the clinic administrator and the mayor of that community, and that was really the priority there. Sure, we did an awful lot of health care, and it was certainly appreciated, certainly needed, but we had to get on the same sheet of music with him. And we did a couple of resets during the week on on making sure that we were doing that because, again, he was new to this. He was new to using a health care team, and he was new to looking at it long term. I've had some his uh, predecessor, two people before him, told me about how in their country, you know, they really don't plan much and they don't communicate much. They do a pretty good job when you're there, but they don't plan and communicate much about their planning. Um, and, of course, I'm as obsessive compulsive as you can be about planning, and I'd like to plan out the next 10 years by hour. Uh, it's just really hard in this kind of setting. So we come to a little bit of an agreement, meaning I just sit back. Another, another uh, country I was in recently, um, we were out in some, uh, some coconut plantations in an island area, and the um, guy who was in charge of the church planting network wasn't there for the first couple of days. He was busy elsewhere. We had a um, very small team because this was our, our first... Our first foray into this particular area, so very small, two docs and a nurse. And um, the, our, our interpreters were two national docs. One had just graduated from medical school. She didn't have her license yet. The other one had trained in another country and had come back. She was licensed, had her internal medicine residency done, um, and the expectation from them was that they would be seeing patients, and the expectation from everyone else is that they'd be interpreters for the two American docs. That's a pretty big disconnect. And that wasn't one that I was going to be able to address, and that wasn't one that my white national partner from Louisville, who goes to this church and is sent by this church, was going to be able to address. That was something that the big man who wasn't there for two days was going to address. And I don't know how it got addressed. I know it got addressed because we went to bed one night at about 8 or 9 o'clock, and they didn't come for about another two hours, and the next day everything was fine. So I know it got addressed. But, but, there was a, but that's a pretty big disconnect because there's an expectation. It's a very indirect culture, and they don't clearly say, no, you can't do that. that sorry, let me rephrase how I point. Like this, right, Bailey? <laughs> um, so, so that communication is so subtle in how you, how you, uh, how you communicate that. You're not going to be the one. I'm not the one that told these two women that they were going to be our translators. I talked for about 10 or 15 minutes. I tried to be very indirect, talked about how much we appreciated them, talked about how essential it was for us to learn about uh, working in their culture, um, how they knew their people, they knew how, uh, what their real needs were, they, and they were able to translate that as they translated from that language to, to English. Um, and then I left and let the big man finish it because he, he then had a come-to-Jesus talk with them. And everything was, was better. <laughs> it was better. Um, so I find for our sake and our teams, it's much more likely that for long-term effectiveness for our teams to be effective, 
The primary reason for a healthcare team to go should be to open doors. It's to open doors for people who are doing long-term church planning work. It's a card that the long-term CPers, church planters, can have up their sleeve to get into a new community. I had a uh, text from this partner back there just a few months ago in September. She said, Don, I need your team. The pack, uh, pack Olga needs your, needs your team to come. She copied what he had, he had written in, in the text and sent it and said, we've got a new area that we're just barely starting to open. I need one of Don's teams to open the doors there. What a great invitation. Because a year before, no, nah, we're never going to be able to go. But we had, we had done a couple of, we had done a small team and then um, done another team going out to some distant islands where we had a few hiccups. And um, we were planning on another team. We still are planning on another team there this January, the end of January. Um, and uh, she said, we need your team. Can you come in, in October or November? This is in addition to coming in January. And I'm thinking, uh, well, let's see. I'm going to China in October. I'm going to Louisville in November. She said, oh, just they can just play your video from last year. That'll be good enough. Um, so uh, I said, oh, you're holding your breath. No, I can come in January, but can't come in November. Anyway, they're realizing the CP guys, the, the national CP guys at the, at the local level, at the village level, and at the, the management level are realizing how beneficial a healthcare team come in for a few days. We, we went, when we went to the site, we went to four different villages in four different days and um, opened tremendous doors. They're still seeing fruit. That was March we were there, and they're still seeing fruit. And we're going to go into different islands that that, the, that, that, that network is on. So, so in my opinion, in my humble opinion, the most effective use of us is to open those doors. And when I have new people coming who want us to come, I say, well, tell me about your strategy. Tell, you, tell me how you're going to use us. And, and that's, what I'm, that's what I'm looking to hear. Now, the country, needs, the country needs may be different from the national partner. The national partner may have certain ideas. The needs in the country may be a little bit different. So these various needs within a particular country may introduce some social or political factors that you haven't thought about, that you haven't considered, if your focus was going to be simply providing health care. I was uh, uh, recently at a new site where I was doing a site survey, and uh, most of our meetings were with government officials. We met with a couple of uh, the number two and number three uh, guys in the Ministry of Health. We met in the mayor, who's here sitting next to me on the couch. We met with some opinion leaders. We met with some national workers who were uh, not necessarily involved in the spiritual ministry. Actually, let me clarify, they weren't the least bit involved in the spiritual ministry. They were of another faith tradition, and they're actually on our target list. Uh, but this calls for a significantly different approach than just providing health care. We have a different strategy for reaching out to people like this. The health care has to be outstanding, but the health care is not the only issue. So the implications of all that to your planning are significant. If you can't demonstrate to senior Ministry of Health officials that your health care is above reproach, that all your team members are licensed and credentials and credentialed, that all your pharmaceuticals are fresh, nothing's expired or about to expire, 
and that your team's presence isn't going to put them at risk, if you can't do all that, then you should probably consider some other line of work. Because this aspect of planning is much more political than it is medical. It's absolutely crucial. It's a lot of fun to do for some people. I love it. That's, that's what I really like doing. See me blending in in this setting? I was in another country where I, I, th- yeah, I, I actually have a sports jacket on there. I usually wear a black travel vest. And uh, uh, someone who you know very well said, Don, you've got to lose that vest. It makes you look like such a tourist. I say, oh, okay, I'll take off this vest, and then I'll blend in with the rest of the people here, right? <laughs> He said, good point. So, so highly political interactions it has to be done. It has to be done well. We spent um, two hours. We spent an hour and a half with the mayor. Wrong way. We spent, um, we spent an hour and a half with the mayor talking about, talking about stuff that we could have done in ten minutes. I drank a watermelon soda, which I'd never had. And we talked a lot. We watched him eat. We watched the news. But we talked and built relationships. And then, there he is. That's him. And then we spent hours. We had the, the uh, couple. She's the nutritionist on the uh, malnutrition project that they're starting in this country. Her husband there is a pharmacist. And the other, the other couple are from Switzerland. They're, they're, they're our partners. They're part of our team doing this long-term nutrition project, um, we're going to take a health team there in, in uh, January because the mayor has just opened up a new post de santé. That would be health post for you who don't speak French. And um, he, he's actually paid for this health post out of his own political money, not from Ministry of Health money. He's paying for the, the salary of the people who are going to work there. And he's gone to our contact, who is the guy all the way over there on the right, who has been working in this country for 20 years and said, can you find health teams for me? So he met some guy who I met in the jungle of that country that you were in at some meeting in Florida and said, you, you need to call Don and see what he can do. So anyway, we're, we're going to, through that network, we've got this, this uh, team going in. But it's been, uh, again, 10 minutes worth of talk that took an hour and a half. We went out to the health post, spent a couple hours, could have done it in three minutes. The next day, oh, no, then we went over to the Ministry of Health and we met with the Deputy Ministry of Health um, for about 15 or 20 minutes and with his, the next guy down who was actually going to manage things. And then the next day we came back and went through the health post again and met that number three guy and spent an hour and a half in his office asking all kinds of very detailed questions. Can men do pelvic exams? What kind of medications do you have? What's your immunizations rate? Um, it was 100% until all these um, the refugees started moving in. Now it's 67%. What kind of things are we going to see in January? Do you have malaria? How do you know? What what uh, flavor of malaria do you have? Well, it's all it's uh, it's it's mostly non-falciparum. We just call it all malaria, malaria, and we treat it with uh, with chloroquine or fancidar or this or that. They don't test. Again, all important things to know. I've got three or four pages of notes. <coughs> Um, what do we need to, to bring? What kind of credentials do you need? Can PAs work? Because many countries don't know what uh, physician assistants are or nurse practitioners are. He said, well, I'm familiar with what those are from the, 
from the American and the British system, but the French system doesn't have PA, have PAs. So you can go ahead and send their credentials along, and we'll take a look at it. We're not going to send PAs our first trip. We've got to build, build some more trust relationship with them. Anyway, all of those political negotiations are critically important to long-term, to having long-term effectiveness. Um, so anyway, it's a lot of fun for some people, and I really like it. Are you that type of person? Do you really like that? Do, can you really do that kind of negotiation? If not, you might want to sub out to subcontract out these negotiations but because they have to be done. If you're not doing them, then, then uh, things aren't going to go well. We continue to hear of teams that go in under the radar without doing this preliminary negotiation. They may take physicians who aren't really physicians. They may take, they may have people seeing patients who are not licensed or credentialed to see patients here in the states. I know of a team from a large church that should know better, and they take a doc and three or four nurses, and the three or four nurses are not advanced practice nurses. They're registered nurses, and they don't see patients alone in the states, and they're seeing patients alone in this country. And the doc is walking around pretty much bouncing things off. When I was there, the pharmacist, her red flag went up and said, what do I do with this? Because it's a prescription for antibiotics for some kid who supposedly had otitis. And so I, kid's still here, so I looked at him where the nurse who saw him wasn't, wasn't able to see it. And uh, he didn't have otitis. He, didn't, he barely had a URI. And uh, so I tried to feel out with the nurse um, what had, what had he seen? He said, oh, I didn't look in his ear. He, Mom said he had a fever, and so I'm treating him with antibiotics for otitis. And I said, well, I'd be glad to look at those, because a lot of times people will have fever for other reasons, and, and it's really important to make sure they really have otitis before you treat them. And I was kind of surprised he didn't know that. Maybe he did know it. Anyway, there are lots of teams that are doing that, that, are doing that kind of stuff. The pharmacists going on our teams now instead of teams with that other group. But... These groups may take medications that are expired, and they may work without any authorization of the government. Guess who gets painted with the same brush when this happens? That's right, all the rest of us do. We just had to cancel two teams this year because another organization was doing all of those things. They had fake physicians. They had um, expired medications. They had a false authorization from the provincial government. And the national government found out and now everybody who goes into that country has to submit three months in advance all the credentials on everybody, plus a budget, plus a very detailed list of all the medications they're going to take, lot numbers, expiration dates, quantities. And then when the team get, and then that list, that package has to get approved at the federal level, then it has to go down to the village level, then it comes up to the provincial level. You think this can be done in my lifetime? Um, and then the provincial level writes the letter of authorization. And then when the team gets there, all the doctors have to go in and take a written test. That's called door slam shut. We're hoping and praying that it will open back up. We've got a very good reputation in that country. Um, unfortunately, just a few weeks ago, I spoke with someone who had a team that was in that country just a few weeks earlier seeing patients by doc and a bunch of nurses. who were, They were there for another reason, and they were just doing it on the side. So don't put the good name of Jesus Christ at risk by doing this. See Malachi chapter 1, the first 11 verses, if you need any help in deciding whether or not this is a good thing. Please don't profane the Lord's table with lame sheep and blind lambs 
and say this is the best you've got. We can do better than this. Now, I'm not saying that we do this um, 100% of the time in every location. In some areas, our national partners are allowed to bring in medical teams as long as they provide only charitable care. And they, and they set up the clinics on the site of the church or their NGO or their school or their orphanage. The Ministry of Health doesn't have to get involved because it's just being done under the umbrella of the NGO. But we seek out this information in advance and we attempt to follow government requirements everywhere we go. But the challenge is, once you've determined your primary goal, is it health care, is it opening doors? In our case, it's opening doors for long-term gospel evangelism, church planning work. Then you have to strategize with your national partners how you might best serve them to meet this goal. And the chances are all this planning is not, not going to be able to be accomplished in just one quick trip, especially when you're going in for the first time to a new country, a formally closed country. You need to prepare to invest for the long haul. You need to focus on building relationships much more than you're used to having to do here in the States. That's why I was here in this country. You can probably tell what country this is. We had a whole lot of troops there that left in 1973. Um, I, um, I just met Monday in D.C. with um, several people from a government, the government ministry that facilitates foreign NGOs in coming into this country. And it's a multi-year process to build the relationships to go in. Um, I've been there once. We've canceled teams that are going, canceled teams that are ready to go twice. We push a little bit and pull back and push a little bit. And in Vietnam, our two governments, the government of the United States, government of Vietnam, just recently signed something in the last few months. I didn't pay attention to it. Some kind of an accord to work together on something or other. And the Vietnamese guys knew about it because this can make it easier for us to work with them. So before I go back to Vietnam, I'm going to unpack what that was and then try to use it to our advantage and their advantage so that we can get in easier. There I go again. Um, another challenge is that sometimes you will encounter uh, national partners who have more of a short-term perspective on their ministry. Their goal may be caring for widows and orphans. That's a very laudable goal. It's all over the scriptures. I just had a call a few weeks ago for such a need. I get a couple calls a week, a couple requests a week for this kind of need. Our goal for global health outreach, though, is to focus on building Great Commission disciple makers. I have a very specific strategic goal to make disciples on our teams, through our, in, with, within our national partners, and then through our national partners with patients where we can. So I, I usually don't take the, the uh, requests for providing health care, for simply providing health care. Again, it's an important thing. I can't see my slides, but they are there, and they are changing. Good. Um, so we look for partnering opportunities where we can support long-term spiritual changes on the community, in the community, and on our teams. That's our strategic vision, and we're very intentional in going this 
direction. That helps us as we look at our effectiveness. I don't measure how many patients we've seen, though, though that helps because I have to provide pharmaceuticals, so I need to know how many patients we've seen. Um, I, don't, uh, I don't count how many doctors we take. I do want more people to go on our teams because there's an economy of scale. When I get a team of uh, go to a trip site that can handle 30 people, I'd like to take 30 people. If I take 15 people, then then we're dividing all those costs among 15 people instead of 30. So I'm always looking to how to maximize our effectiveness with that economy of scale. So what you need to do is you need to determine how God is leading you to work in your ministry, or if you want to, if you're looking at a different ministry to go with, you need to you need to evaluate that. Uh, if you're running a ministry and you, you have to ask yourself, or if you're you're sending teams. Do you have the organizational capacity to train team leaders or to train team members and to do all the administrative requirements that's required for working in some of these more difficult, challenging areas? Or is it more appropriate for your team, for you and your teams, to go to some of the less complex areas? Both are needed. We go to less complex areas. Seventy percent of my, of my teams are into the Americas. And the Americas are largely reached. They're relatively easy to get there. Sure, there's a lot of violence. There are a lot of kidnapping, a lot of murders. We go to those countries. Um, people speak Spanish. I speak Spanish. It's much easier. But um, I use the Americas as a training ground for my new team leaders and for a lot of people who are new to, to short-term medical missions because they can leave on Saturday morning and get back Sunday night and miss just one week at work. Now, they don't always spend a whole lot of time preparing for something like that, and that's a risk that we accept. That's a condition that we accept. And then after a trip or two, then I boot them and say, go west or east, young men or young women, and go to uh, the 1040 window, get into some of these more challenging settings. So by this time, you should have set your targets. You should have goals and objectives established related to your area of service and what your desires are for your team. So then you look at team preparation. So what kinds of things are important for preparing your teams? We've already talked about a number of these. Some people may be coming on a short-term team to do some tourism or to go shopping or to experience life in an exotic location or because they want to use their healthcare skills to help people with their physical needs. That's valid, isn't it? I mean, after all, they're healthcare workers, so that certainly, that certainly is Valid. We certainly do value providing outstanding health care, but the context in which it's provided is likely to be different from what your new team members may initially expect. So you've got to help them understand. If there's a difference between how it's going to be done and their expectations, you need to close that gap. You have to set expectations right up front. And our website says it. Our application says it. Our Team leaders say it as they are building their team. Our, short care, our short-term health care teams have a kingdom purpose. There is a spiritual purpose. Sixty-seven years ago, Eugene Nida made the observation that medicine can be used as the key to many aspects of the ministry, the missionary advance. So 67 years ago, it was 1949, I think, if I got the math right. Medicine can be used as a key to many aspects of the, the missionary advance. However, a key has value only insofar as it fits into a lock. Healthcare services can unlock the complex antagonisms against the gospel. 
Do you see any antagonisms to the gospel around you? Lots of antagonisms. Do you think there might be some antagonisms, some cultural antagonisms in this setting? Of course, they're everywhere. These uh, these ladies, there were at first there were um, two men in also, and we talked a little bit about their their uh, reflux esophagitis complaints. They're burning, and I said, How, "Who in here smoked cigarettes?" And the two men raised their hands, and none of the women did because these women would never smoke cigarettes. At least they'd never admit it in public. Um, and I and I talked a little bit about um, what the problem was, and and that we had medicine that could help and raising the head of the bed and not eating in the eating food in the last few hours and if you if it comes on with spicy food and it always does because there's a lot of spicy foods consumed in this culture um, but i said no matter what we do if you keep smoking it's never going to go away so the women started rousing the men which was great i love it when when women help me with uh, when you have community shame that helps a little bit <laughs> And so we finished, and then the guys were dismissed because then we had some more things to talk to the ladies about. And um, and almost before I I, uh, I started, one of these ladies, I don't remember which one, but she told me that they could care that I really cared about them. And I, I said, how, do, how could you determine that? How do you know that? And she said, because I asked them questions, and I listened to their answers. How easy is that? See what she's holding there? That's her iPhone with pictures of her kids. That's how she breaks down those cultural antagonisms, just by talking about kids. She brings her kids on, on some of these trips. She's got, some, she's got a daughter who is lily white, as blonde as possible. And she's got a son who's one year younger, who they adopted from Ethiopia. He's not lily white and as blonde as possible. Just as opposite. They have so much fun with that. And that breaks down. I mean, those kids break down so many cultural antagonisms. Eugene Nida suggests several different types of antagonisms. Culture, worldview antagonisms, faith tradition antagonisms, antagonisms from blinding by the deceiver. Healthcare services can allow deeper penetration into the life and needs of people so that you can find those antagonisms and break them down. A few months back, I was in uh, uh, an area, uh, an island country, and um, my interpreter uh, was there, and then my, the helper I had from the country was a midwife. Her name was Tia, which means auntie in Spanish, but she wasn't speaking Spanish. But... Um, she was a midwife, and we had an ultrasound machine, so we were doing a lot of routine OB checks. And um, we, we had two women come in. One was 27 and incredibly pregnant, and the other one was her 19-year-old sister, 18, 19-year-old sister. And uh, we saw the, the older one and, and checked out baby and, and filled out her paperwork. And, and then the interpreter started sharing with, with me what the, the uh, 19-year-old girl's problems were and her irregular periods, and asked just a question or so. And then I asked, could um, have her big sister leave, go ahead and wait, out, wait outside, and then I closed the window. That was the only thing keeping the temperature below 100 degrees in that room, and closed, closed the windows so that nobody could hear, and then we all gathered a little closer, and I talked much more quietly 
so we could explore her irregular periods because she she uh, had had a period um, a few weeks ago and then she had had one uh, that was very heavy about three weeks before that and then she hadn't had a period for about three months and then before that she had had normal periods and so I say I know what this sounds like but boy is this fraught with difficulties because I've got to cross some pretty significant cultural things so I asked my interpreter in English, who was from that country and was a nurse and knew this kind of stuff, I said, is there a whole lot of sleeping around going on here? And she said, they're really conservative out on the islands because we were on a very remote island. And then this girl and her sister were from an even more remote island. And um, so, so I said, um, well, we need to explore this. So we've got to ask some of these questions. So we went through... We, she started asking her, and, and Tia's listening, but not really, not really participating. And, and she admits that, yes, yeah, she had been having sex with a guy, but not in the last two or three months, because he left her and he got married to somebody else. And uh, where have I heard that before? And so we had a little talk about men and how they think and what they think about. What do the studies say, every 20 seconds or is it 20 minutes? Um, and that a guy will tell you anything in order to get sex. And then once he's got sex, he's gone. And lo and behold, it's the same in this island country as it is in our practices. And um, I said, what I think you did, I think you were pregnant. And asked a few other questions, breast tenderness. She had had a little bit, a little bit of nausea. So, so she had been pregnant. She had a miscarriage at about 10 or 11 weeks, and then she had had a... Um, and then she would, got back and was starting to cycle. So we were able to talk about, I was able to give her my daddy talk about risks and, and uh, loving and leaving, how guys will just do that, and um, able, to, able to speak into her life a little bit. But also, and then after she left and we talked to Tia and said, what are you seeing here? Is there, she said two years ago, you'd almost never see that. But now, because of uh, more outside influence, there's a whole lot more of this of this going on so so again cultural sensitivity cultural you preparation to do that kind of thing getting ready to go deep and things like that the, and the healthcare, the fact that i was there to provide health care she came in because she had wacko periods so i was able to talk in and go a little bit deeper in some to start to broach the subject of some some soul and spiritual issues not very deep but she's prepared to go deeper Remember the goal of unlocking these complex antagonisms? The goal of unlocking the complex antagonisms is in order that Christ may be made fully known to the people. Healthcare services can certainly break down some of these antagonisms, but not all of them. And we're not always going to be able to take people all the way. Do you think that there might be some cultural differences here? Or any worldview differences? Or any faith tradition differences? These are Anthony's four new best friends. We had a great time in that hospital for two days. Built confidence between the hospital administration and the main CP guy on that island. Because he was not allowed to have a church in that island. They had been closed down about every three months by the authorities. And because we were able to go in there and spend a few days, uh, even though we, they confiscated all of our medications, um, the, and we were able to treat a lot of patients. We still had a good time, met a lot of our other, what I see as other requirements 
Um, but we were able to act normal with all these people, and they, they learned that Americans are okay. We, we uh, reaffirmed that we really cared about them and that we came because we cared about them. So, so we were able to start uh, crossing some of these worldview differences, these cultural differences. So healthcare missions can play a very advanced position on a well-balanced, well-organized team. The main guy on that team was the guy who lives in that town and is the main church planter. And he goes into the outer islands. He was the guy we were serving. He was the main reason we went. And he reported that, yes, it was good. Even when we, we got back on our 10-hour plus two more one-hour ferries, um, ferry rides, and then uh, one of the guys called out and talked to him, and, and he reported to an Indonesian guy who was his same level, economic level, education level. Yes, it was good. He got what he wanted. So we can open up territory so he can go farther with his effective penetration of the gospel. Remember, the ultimate healing is spiritual, and we facilitate sharing that spiritual message. We, not be, we may not be sharing. I don't think I prayed with anybody here. But there was a lot of work done in a very, very, very close setting. I think our folks there say that this is the most remote set of islands in their eight. I think there were 16 people in their entire network, eight in the, the next one up, and this was the most remote. The place we're going in January, I still need a doc and somebody who is not, somebody who can do our reading class clinic. January 28th to February 6th. We're not going on a 10 hour ferry ride. It'll probably be a two hour ferry ride. So, um, see me. That was shameless to do that kind of recruiting, wasn't it? Um, what are some areas, what are some of the other areas within your team that you need to address? Remember, common things that happen commonly. Once it's happened once or twice in your teams, it's probably going to happen again and again and again. So these are things you have to anticipate. Power and control, these are almost always number one. We want to get people out of their power zone. We want to get surgeons out of their control zone. Um, we're taking highly trained, highly experienced, highly driven healthcare professionals who are used to being very efficient and effective. They want to do the best that they can. You want to do the best that you can. You want them to be able to do the best that they can. Now, how do you define best? They, you, are often able to do procedures and treat conditions that may be more than is appropriate for the location where you're serving. For instance, management of diabetes and hypertension usually requires ongoing monitoring of medications, of side effects, laboratory tests, responses to the, treatment, to the treatment. You want to put somebody on something that's going to shut down their kidneys and then they've got a creatinine of three, two weeks from now. No, probably not. Is it appropriate to do this kind of treatment on a short-term team that comes to the area once a year? Probably not. Many would say no. So what are some alternatives? In some areas, a community health nurse or a traveling physician may be able to provide this follow-up. That's what we negotiated last month for the place that we're going in January. That health post has a nurse that's working in it. There is a physician who goes around and visits different health posts. So we're going to take enough chronic meds. We're going to take enough 
uh, hydrochlorothiazide and lisinopril and metformin so we can start some treatment on hypertension, get them in the registry, and then they come back. The nurse will check their blood pressures. The doc will modify their medications. At least they say that will happen. Other options should be explored. Sometimes there are no options, so treatment may be inappropriate. Metformin's pretty safe. Lisinopril's pretty safe for diabetes and then kidney protection and diabetes or hypertension. Um, but doesn't mean that they should always be used. Joint injections. Joint injections are great if you like to stick needles in people. You can get three months of relief from joint pain when you've got an arthritic arthritic joint, but can you maintain sterile technique sufficiently to give an injection out in the jungle? That's a good question. Cost quickly becomes a factor. It costs me $7 to get the material for a joint injection. For a cc of uh, Kenalog and a cc of lidocaine and a syringe, it's, a, it's about 7 bucks. Our budget for medications on our teams is about $3 per person. So is a joint injection worth the cost? Well, if it's your joint or my joint, it might be. Yeah, and you'd probably love to get a joint injection for 7 bucks. Um, but it's something you need to think about. You need to go through and you need to decide that. You'll find people who want to export the context in which we practice here to the ministry setting. It's a big issue. One of those areas is informed consent. We try to involve our patients in their health care here in the States, in the West. We are a very independent culture. We're a very individualistic culture. But informed consent just does not make sense in many of the collective cultures where we work. What kind of message are you going to be sending if you're trying to get somebody to sign a paper before you do something for them? They can't read. They can't write. They don't really understand what you're saying. It's usually going to cause tremendous problems. Infection control, you may decide not to do many procedures that break the skin because of the environment in which um, a lot of the folks live when they're living out in very remote, very dirty areas. Has anybody here seen the movie Slumdog Millionaire? A few of you. The rest of you, you are depraved and deprived people. This is a requirement now. You need to rent it. Slumdog Millionaire. It's relevant in the management of needles and other sharps in your dental clinic or if you're giving injections. One of the most effective sharp disposal procedures I've seen in many countries is taking that bucket and going into the outhouse and dumping it down in the outhouse. Those of you who have seen Slumdog Millionaire, you remember the connection, right? There's a... Should I do the spoiler alert? No, I just won't say. You need to get the movie and you'll see. HIPAA. Medicine is a community event in most places where we work. Dentistry is a spectator sport. (laughs) Good luck with trying to maintain confidentiality. Do what you can, but don't hold a high premium on it being successful. It probably won't be. Medical records, it'd be great to find something that works. When you go from site to site during one week or you visit different sites each year, you'll be frustrated by not knowing what someone else is already taking. Fortunately, many patients bring in their medications. They bring in their test results. They bring in their CT scans of the last 10 years. Um, I never cease to be amazed at the advanced medications people are already taking do what, you, what I learned in, medica- in medical school in my first year. If you want to know what's wrong with the patient, ask them. 
you want to know what they're taking, ask them. They'll bring out a bag of medications. Uh, next on the list of the expa- expectations of the team members, they have a right to hot water, privacy, rest, time for personal reflection. <laughs> I'm serious. Every few months I see that on an evaluation. Now, that's called later. You'll be re- you can reflect on your way home on the airplane. I'm sorry. But... Time in the evening for personal reflection. Right, a right to knowing the schedule. Really, I'm not making these up. You need to be prepared for them by setting expectations as you form your team. Other issues, as I alluded to in my 19-year-old girl, are sex issues. I wish I didn't have to bring this up, but we are products of our culture. What goes on outside of our churches impacts what goes on inside of our churches. What goes on in college goes on in the rest of life. The behavior in which our team members engage before they come on our teams influences what they expect to do while they are on our teams. We used to follow Boy Scout rules, but in the last year or two, that's going to be, that's becoming even harder. We had a, a June two years ago, I think. We just keep looking back on it and calling it sexcapades because we had three trips, three different areas where we had some of the most blatant stuff that had to be dealt with. One couple, I shouldn't call them a couple, but I think they were coupling, <laughs> were handed their passports the morning after we arrived and pointed to the airport across the street. And... Of course, he was, she was deathly afraid of the embarrassment. She worked for him in his practice. She was not married to him. I guess they thought what goes on on missions trips stays on missions trips, but not ours. Um, we had a couple who were engaged, but not... Make sure I'm wearing my wedding band today when I'm tapping on it. Um, and they were going to stay an extra week in the beach resort. And uh, that was addressed thoroughly during the week, especially the last day. They called on Tuesday back to the pastor of the, of the team, the national pastor, and said, will you marry us? And he called us, and, and uh, Ron, my associate director, said, well, sure, you can marry him if you want to know, be known as the Las Vegas of Central America. <laughs> Uh, and then he determined that it wasn't legal, and yeah, there were a few other things that they probably ought to be going through before then. Um, anyway, um, you're gonna, I expect to deal with these more and more. I expect to have to deal with these more and more as time goes on, it's just the way our culture is going. Food, we see more and more people who have various dietary restrictions. Many of them expect us to provide the food and that, they'll, that they'll eat. I understand uh, gluten intolerance. I understand lactose intolerance. I understand vegetarian. No, I don't understand vegetarians. I understand that there are people who are vegetarians. But prepare, prepare for this with planning before the team ever leaves. Because I have gotten complaints on evaluations from people who said, I'm gluten intolerant, and there was nothing I could eat. Well, actually, there's tons of stuff you can eat. And, and if I know it, then I just say, hey, can we get some more fish or more chicken or more fruit? There's lots of stuff. I had a girl with me in uh, Armenia a few months back who's got celiac disease. That's worse than just gluten intolerance. She did just fine because she had her bag of goodies. None of them were cookies. I didn't eat any of them. 
Safety is a big issue. We're not in Kansas, Toto. We need to teach situational awareness. People have to understand that this is not the same as walking in, in many areas around here. Kidnapping is a big issue in many countries, as is personal property theft. Americans are a lucrative target in many places, most places we serve, so that calls for more preparation. State Department travel warnings are great, but they're usually too late, and they're too conservative, and they don't remove them forever. They're better resources. Our best source is the people on the ground with whom we work. You have to communicate appropriately with your team so that your team members can communicate with their family because it's usually the parents of the 20 folks who are in their 20s and 30s who are most concerned. So that's missions prep, um, thorough missions prep. What's a called healthcare believer look like? Somebody who's able to meet physical needs, somebody who's able to meet emotional needs, somebody who's able to meet spiritual needs. They're always prepared to take people to the cross, to deal with their sin and separation from God. You can't separate the message of the gospel from physical care. Okay, last and very quickly, some best practices and guidelines that have been published. We'll look at a few guidelines that are out there. One of them is is, uh, called the Seven Standards of Excellence. That's the full title of it. You can Google Standards of Excellence in Short-Term Missions. A quick summary of the, I mean, it's not focused on healthcare missions. It's focused on short-term missions in general. It does cover many of the things I've already mentioned. Here's a quick summary. I'll come back to this so that you can get it. Here's a quick summary of the areas. They focus on being God-centered, empowering partnerships, which I really talked about a lot, mutual design, which I talked about a lot, comprehensive administration, which we do. It does not come cheap. It takes a lot of time and people to get good administration of of the uh, program, qualified leadership, appropriate training of team leaders, of team members, thorough follow-up. I'm still struggling with how how to do really good follow-up. People don't answer my phone calls, emails, texts, Facebook posts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, I, I encourage you to take a look at it. It was developed over 25 years by a lot of experienced people, um, and each each of these seven areas, these seven standards broken down into smaller areas with key quality indicators for each area. It's going to require work as you go through it. You may not think that you can satisfactorily achieve all these levels, but it will certainly help you set some targets and get better. Is this kind of stuff important? Well, can't you just make plane reservations and pack your suitcases and go? Well, you can, but you run a lot of risks. You wouldn't be here if you didn't think it was worth if it, you, you wouldn't be here if you didn't think it was worth investing some effort. And I read Malachi 1, and I think God calls us to do this, to prepare well. I will certainly do all I can do to help you improve, and I will do all I can do to dissuade you if you think it's not worth doing all this work. Do you hear that? I will do all I can do to dissuade you if you feel it's not doing, worth doing all this work. You can always subcontract out to others who are doing this. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing right, and it is worth doing. If you work in a larger organization, such as a church, and there are some other guidelines which are value, valuable to explore, this Accord Network is another one. You can just Google that. 
And if you hunt around on the top of their web page, they have the principles of practice guidelines for the development of agency standards. These are for bigger agencies. There are 11 areas. So accordnetwork.org, I believe. I, we can always look it up. I've got it. Here are the 11 areas. Much more complex. See number 11? Short-term tip, trips utilizing volunteers. They point over to the standards of excellence. Excuse me, that I just went over. So, so Accord Network and then standards of excellence for standards of excellence for short-term missions. If they're done well, they make life easier. There's work to be done, but you don't need to reinvent the wheel. So maximizing impact means called healthcare believers who are able to meet physical needs, able to meet emotional needs, able to meet spiritual needs, and always prepared to take people to the cross to deal with their sin and their separation from God. Don't separate the message of the gospel from physical care. Okay, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for making it so clear of how you call us to serve you and how you call us to be perfect as you are perfect, knowing full well that we cannot be and yet establishing that goal. Thank you for your empowering of us to obey you. I pray for these here, my brothers and sisters, and ask that you move all of us. You give us a deeper desire to serve you and a deeper desire to serve you well for one reason only, and that is your glory. In the glorious name of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, amen.